1: Welcome to Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things.
0: And I'm Andy Stewart, occasional filmmaker and mostly podcast guy.
1: And joining us tonight, you know her from Don't Point That Horror At Me podcast, also a contributor to Evolution of Horror and Final Girls and most recently Ghouls Magazine, it's Becky Dark. Becky, good evening.
2: Hello, hi guys.
1: Hi Becky. How are you?
2: I'm good. Yeah, I'm well. Thank you. How are good. you both?
1: Fine. I am also well. Suitably enriched from having just watched your film choice.
2: Oh, you're welcome.
1: Uh, um, uh, so you came back with a strong list, I believe, of three. I kind of what the other ones were actually, but um, Shocker has been one that we've almost done a couple of times with other people. And we were kind of like, I think it's time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what earned uh, Shocker its spot on your list?
2: I was so I can't remember either what the others were I think Amityville Horror the 1979 version Mm. was one of them Mm. um and there was definitely a 90s one but I can't remember what that was but I was secretly delighted when you came in fact not so secretly I think I told you how delighted I was when you came back and you were like let's do shocker and I was like yes Yeah, Um, yeah, you've been
1: identifiably thrilled
2: yeah
1: (laughs) I begged Mitch
0: to go back to you actually and say please please ask Becky if we can do shocker
2: (laughs) Tell her that the other two were already... We've done them, but they just, they just weren't on the list. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of low-key my favourite Wes Craven film. Like, nice. don't don't tell the other films, because, you know, I don't want to upset them. But it's there's just something about this like it's it's it was the first Wes Craven that I saw and I think out of probably not Scream by this point but out of all of the rest of his oeuvre this is definitely the one that I've watched the most and like re-watching it for this was just such a treat and like (laughs) honestly I love it.
1: So sorry. When uh, when did you first come across this then?
2: So this was one of my kind of Friday night round my dad's after my parents got divorced type films. Um, okay. we, had a, we had a small stable of um VHS tapes. There was this, there was Return of the Living Dead Part 2, a few others, but these two were on, those two were on like regular rotation. And okay. um, I mean, I must have been early to mid-teens, so like 13, 14, I guess. Okay. And yeah, I've seen it more times than anybody probably should have. <laughs>
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh, very much the other end of the spectrum for me. Regular listeners will not be surprised to know that my first viewing of this was this evening. Andy, <laughs> I'm going to guess you're somewhere in between.
0: Yeah, I, like I just said, I, I practically begged you to to ask be- Becky to go for Shocker because I love this film. I <laughs> love this film since I first saw it. I talk a lot about video shops and the video van guy that used to come in the street. This to me was the quintessential video shop rental. I, in fact, to the point where I bought it out the video shop in a big like the old big X rental boxes. Um, I can't get enough of Shocker. To me, it's up there for me and amongst the best of Craven as well. And round about a time where Craven stuff was a bit weird and a bit wild and didn't really make a lot of sense but was still kind of <laughs> weird and cool and quirky like i mean this came mm-hmm. right after serpent in the rainbow and pretty much right before the people under the stairs which we i were was just gonna covered.
1: ask where this was on the timeline relative to people under the stairs yeah
0: well now you know there you go
1: um and it's it's
0: a weird time for wes craven and this time kind of this film particularly kind of feels like a distillation of everything that came before and everything that would come after because there's so, so, so much of Nightmare on Elm Street in here and so much of weird people under the stairs a secret trapdoors and all manner of stuff, it's amazing and An incredible central performance from Mitch Pelleggi as well.
1: Mm. Becky, I don't know if you've listened to the show before or not, but we do, um, and this is a good test to figure out whether people have or haven't (laughs) generally, um, because we do make everyone that comes on do one thing, and it is for the benefit of anyone that is listening that hasn't seen uh, Shocker before. (laughs) Um, So what happens here is uh, Andy will put 30 seconds on the clock. I'm going to count you in, and we're going to look for you to give us your best 30-second synopsis of Shocker. How do you feel about that?
2: I have listened to your show and I forgot you did this. So I'm completely unprepared.
1: <laughs> okay. No are you, um, are you again for giving it a crack anyway? Let's do it. All right. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one, go.
2: There's a killer on the loose. His name's Horace Pinker and he's a TV repairman. And there's a kid. He's, he does, football and his family gets killed his dad's a cop and he tries to get horace because he kills his girlfriend in a terrible bloody murder and there's also dreams and ghosts and stuff
1: solid fine
0: fine 15 seconds remaining easy <laughs> done in and out no messing no
1: problem uh speaking left of a of lot
2: I... of stuff out i don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean like it did what i needed to do i don't know that you did like i think you kind of you covered dreams you covered
0: ghosts you covered horace himself you covered football. Yes. Uh, it- those it's are the kind of central themes.
1: Yeah, I would be inclined to agree, but um, we have um, a very high-energy opening title sequence here. Should I know this song?
0: I don't know if you should know the song, but... I- I think, if I remember correctly, a lot of the songs are like written by a kind of heavy metal super band. I think Paul Stanley was in it.
1: does sound like Kiss, I think, this one.
0: Yeah, but it's not. Don't be fooled into thinking it's Kiss. There's a bunch of other people in there. Uh, I think the, the, the guy that plays the kind of construction worker guy later on might be playing guitar here because he used to play guitar <laughs> oh my for God, Alice amazing. Cooper. Amazing. And it's just, yeah, just yeah.
2: we get "No More Mr. Nice Guy" um, by Alice Cooper later. But, well, that's um, that's
0: the Megadeth cover, but yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, oh my god! I didn't even realize that. That's amazing.
1: I I want to talk about that the the use of that when we get there as well. <laughs> oh, my god. Me too. So we do get a little bit of uh, in the opening credits. We do kind of get a little bit of uh, info on our killer. Seems to be kind of brute strength orientated. Kills whole families.
0: Yeah, by the way, this is the first point where you immediately feel comforted if you're a fan of A Nightmare on Elm Street because oh, big time. it opens with a montage the same way Nightmare on Elm Street opens with a montage. Um, also opens with a man building electronics with a blood-soaked knife, which <coughs> seems weird in and of itself, but then when he's finished, he then cleans the knife. And I was thinking, huh, weird that you would clean the knife after you stuck it into electrical things i mean i
2: don't know how much you know about um you know tv repair but he's the professional so i'm just not much not much (laughs) well you like i'm just saying horace pinker owns his own tv repair (laughs) shop so if anyone's going to be the authority on blood-soaked knives i'm putting my faith in him
0: if there's anyone listening who is a television (laughs) repair man
1: Please get in touch. You don't
2: also have to be a mass murderer.
1: I love the fact that your response to that, Becky, was like, well, he runs his own business. He doesn't come in here and tell you how to run your podcast. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> Although he could, because we could use the guidance.
1: Instant meet of Jonathan here, our um, protagonist. He um, is struggling to focus on his burgeoning football prospects because he's distracted by everything all the time.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm especially pretty ladies
1: yes i think that basically everything that happens here is like like has a real kind of like very 80s high school comedy vibe to it with the kind of like dressing down that he gets from the coach and the kind of banter between him and his teammates but most notably when <laughs> he is um uh, running with the football gets distracted by uh, spotting allison and then runs head on into a goalpost. <laughs>
2: It's, it's such a collision.
0: There's so much of what happens to people in this film, particularly Jonathan, when he should go to the hospital. But he, doesn't. <laughs> he actively decides against that. Uh, and here, like, I mean, this one accident is kind of the catalyst for everything that happens beyond this point for the rest of the film. Also, Ted Raimi's in here and he's just great.
2: Yeah. I've got a bit of a crush on Ted Raimi, I'm not going to lie. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. hey. Yeah, I, I, he's got that kind of, especially in this, he's got that like really nerdy quality. I like his big glasses.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> just, you know, just, just credit where credit's due.
1: <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you wish that this fomented with him taking his glasses off and undoing his ponytail and we realised he was <laughs> hot the whole time?
2: Yeah, if, if if it turned into she's all that like two <laughs> thirds of the way through, I would have been delighted.
1: <laughs> um. Around this time, we also meet Allison, Jonathan's girlfriend. See when they interact for the first time, and she's like, "I'm Allison. I sit next to you in chemistry. I am your on-off girlfriend. You might remember me." I was like, "Is this like a bit that they're doing, or does he just suffer head trauma all the time because he's so clumsy?"
0: <laughs> well, American football players do suffer a lot of brain trauma, and there's a there's a really high kind of incidence of uh, encephalitis, I believe it is, amongst uh, American football players. So they get bad brain damage.
1: Well, that's Hoover the whimsy out of that comment.
0: Yeah, enjoy your comedy podcast, people.
2: <laughs> I mean, I am genuinely surprised that he doesn't get taken to hospital, considering he's basically diagnosed with concussion on the football field. And then, yeah, his girlfriend just takes him home and puts him to bed, which is literally the opposite of what you're supposed <laughs> to do when somebody has concussion. Yes.
0: You're <laughs> like, I, I can sleep, you'll just sleep it off. And you're like... <laughs> Strong possibility he won't ever wake up, but um, yeah, sure, away.
2: We know that it's not right because it, <laughs> as you know, you've already alluded to, it kind of kicks off this weird psychic dream situation that then drives a lot of the plot.
1: Yeah,
0: it sure does. Yeah, he's, uh, it seems to have like given him the gift of sight.
2: But only through his dreams.
0: Yeah. Um... Again,
2: familiarly.
0: What? yeah there's a lot (laughs) in a
2: familiar way
0: again this feels very uh this feels very cozy here when people start hopping in and out of dreams and people are phasing in and out of reality it feels like uh the 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 road well uh, like a road well traveled
1: (laughs) what i will say about this sequence though is that i think that the way that you realize that it's kind of like differentiated from reality is quite cool like when they're kind of like walking back to his house and like those kids run across the road and they just kind of like disappear into thin air
2: Oh, Mm -hmm. it's spooky.
1: It's cool, yeah. Yeah. And also, speaking as somebody who knew fuck all about this film until he started watching it, intensely confusing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he gets home. Uh, There is a a Pinker TV repair van outside his house, which I think if I was a murderer with the surname Pinker, I wouldn't be using to drive around. It wouldn't be my top getaway vehicle. By the way,
0: he's (laughs) not just got his own business. He's got his own van. I don't have a van.
2: You don't have a van with strong language, violent action. Wait, what? (laughs) What's the... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> definitely not that <laughs> I do have a fan with that on it but uh, it was the way yeah not the name
2: of your on. actual podcast it's <laughs> to throw people off the scent you have it with strong language violent action on the side
1: <laughs> this is like well that sure does sound like the name of a podcast <laughs> but it's not the exact but it can't be that
2: it can't be them
1: but there's murders transpiring here we see we get our first look at Horace Pinker however briefly mm-hmm. attempting to kill Jonathan's entire family so Jonathan tries to intervene lunges at him passes straight through him and wakes from a nightmare
0: that's right yeah
1: which is the the, the first time that we kind of orientate ourselves in some of the ways that people enter and exit dream reality
2: did but- anybody think that it was weird that the mum when she sees Jonathan rather than what we see in a lot of films in similar situations saying run Jonathan get out of here save yourself she berates him <laughs> for not being more proactive and she's like Jonathan would you do something
0: (laughs) are you just gonna stand there and let me die
2: yeah (laughs) yeah I'm like I feel like her mum instincts are different to what I would have imagined you see in a lot of stuff they're like just go get out of here but she's just like look can you engage with this Man who is much, much larger than you and is wielding a very sharp object because I am in danger.
1: (laughs) If we're going to die, you're going to (laughs) die.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: This family's honour is not going to defend itself, young man. (laughs) But yeah, they wake up. Allison is fine. Jonathan, understandably perturbed. He feels like something isn't right. He is very, very correct. His entire family is dead. (laughs)
0: <laughs> not his entire family his dad's still alive
1: this is very true his his foster his foster dad sure. um who was a key detective in this investigation is still alive but yeah um basically everything else about what's played out in reality uh kind of matches up with the dream
0: yeah we also get our first kind of hint here that jonathan was found beaten when he was seven years old and has like was fostered after the fact and has never like seen as. His- As kind of both family, since
1: yeah, right, yeah, the film puts a bit of distance there. I love the fact that exposition news hurries us along to the funeral. Oh my (laughs) god! Like
0: every single bit of information in this film is relayed by the news. Like there is nothing that is told. Like the police have no idea what's going on. They can't reasonably justify it because it's the work of a ghost that travels through radio waves. So they don't really have the kind of savvy to put that into a report. (laughs) So everything that we get just comes from the news, like to the point where it becomes preposterous later on when the news is reporting Jonathan and Horace like appearing in people's houses (laughs) and on their TVs.
2: (laughs) See, here's me. Here's me watching this being like, it's so clever, isn't it? The way that they're doing all their exposition through the news because... You know, so much of this film is centred around TV and it's just a really good device that they're like, and you guys are like, I can't believe how much they use the news in this. <laughs> it's,
1: it's like, it's, to be fair, you've got a point, but also I think that it's like, it just so happens that we've had like a few things recently where um, there has been one form of media that does all the exposition. Like we did uh, The Happening a, f- a few weeks back with um, with Rosie Fletcher. And I remember like, that was the one where it's like, oh, everything you need to know will be on the radio.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And I guess the TV is the is kind of acting as the, the the I guess the kind of gospel truth here because, like I say, no one no one knows and no one's able to verbalize it, and only really Jonathan has any clue. And. He's just kind of bumbling through everything that's happening and hoping people believe him
2: yeah to a lot of incredulous policemen and his poor dad as well like again dad cop like very um not on elm street but his dad like not only has he lost his wife and two of his kids he's like he doesn't take any time off work which <laughs> i mean i can't like i get it like he wants to find his family's killer or whatever but still like dude take a day you would Um, think there
0: would come a point where your superiors would sit you down and say look i'm a bit worried we're worried here um yeah we're worried that you might be a man on the edge you potentially some kind of loose cannon
2: i mean especially when he starts following clues given to him by his apparently now dream psychic foster son Uh
0: (laughs) He doesn't question that either, by the way. No. I, I, Jonathan's I was gonna... like, by the way, I saw the murders in my dreams. I didn't do them, but I saw them. And I'll take you to the guy <laughs> and his dad's just, for a minute, his dad's like, don't don't you dare talk to them, me about this. You're, you're crazy, you're crazy. And then he's immediately, he's like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Might as well. Like, we've, we've burned out all our other leads
1: yeah um let's go there literally right now i do feel like don parker is a man with a little bit of a uh, contempt for uh due process though because they they go to his uh his pinker's tv repair shop and they're kind of like oh you don't have a warrant for this and he kind of has this i forget the exact wording, but he's got this kind of like whip smart workaround where they can kind of do it on a technicality but they probably shouldn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) but also like yeah when he first says because jonathan's like oh i am in on this now i need to i need to come with you to do this and he's like i don't think we should do that and he's like oh go on and he's like well all right then and um uh, it's literally like it's so one like i say he kind of like cheats to break into the place to investigate it and two it kind of just like becomes bring your son to a crime scene eh?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and he gets mercilessly mocked by like all of the cops on his team as well all of the like beat cops um the uniformed you know police officers they're all just like talking behind his back mumbling under their breath yeah he's lost some respect here by by following this lead
0: ultimately the joke's on them because they'll all be dead in a minute and and he won't (laughs) so uh yeah fine horace pinker lives in a serial killer's house like he (laughs) just walking by you would assume that this place was the the lair of a serial killer due to the fact that he has countless televisions screening what appears to be footage of concentration camps, war atrocities, they're all playing the same thing constantly on loop and it is horrific. You know when you, I don't know if they still do it nowadays, but there used to be like electronic shops and you'd walk by and there'd be like a camera set up in the window and you'd see yourself walk past and you'd go huh I'm on 50 screens that's that's pretty cool. If you walked by an like a TV shop and they all had footage from concentration camps on the TV you'd be like I think I'll get my telly elsewhere.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, this this is not the shop for me. Um, <laughs> the title card which really does stick with me from when I used to watch this when I was probably well definitely too young to be watching it um and it's an image that keeps coming up on the TVs is like it's just loads and loads and loads of human skulls mm-hmm. um and it, it does it looks like it's from like maybe the cambodian death camps or something like that because yeah. they just fill the screen and that's basically what makes up the title card so you have all of these human skulls which we assume is from like real life footage and then just shocker comes up <laughs> over the top of it in like electrified writing um which is you know amazing like it looks great but man that stuck with me
1: yeah fair mm-hmm. I think it's funny when, like, so one of the police, like, red shirts that dies in this exchange (laughs) gets hauled out of shot by uh, Pinker, who's hiding behind this secret hollowed-out wall kind of thing, Um, the secrecy of which is kind of rendered a wee bit redundant by the widening pool of blood that spreads underneath (laughs) it after they go back inside. I also think it's funny that um, the first policeman that he kills, he steals a uniform and kind of goes outside to kind of get close to the other two and kill them too but one of them like looks around de- looks him dead in the face and is like ah oh, Sarge it's you
0: <laughs> he's got his head down you you can only see like his chin but uh, one of those corpses displayed and what I think is one of my favourite dead bodies <gasps> in films ever oh like, it's
2: grim I love
0: it very funny
1: and very nasty <laughs> Don gets absolutely enraged at his own decision to <laughs> to, to take Jonathan here he realises that he's put him in mortal danger He did learn that the very, very hard way, it seems.
0: Yeah, and at this point the hunt for Horace Pinker's on, and there's an amazing moment where the news, again, going back to the news, but they report the fact that Jonathan dreamt this. (laughs) I just... I I just... I just can't see that the news reporting the fact that the chief of police's son dreamt the location of a murderer, then went through the phone book to find his name.
2: And they find his high school football picture, which they then splash up all over the TV and the newspapers get hold of it, which they then print all over their pages. So if anybody, say, a mass murderer was looking for this young man, it would be quite <laughs> easy to find him.
1: Yeah, just like, just like that, that, that meddlesome kid, just in case you were curious about who he is for the avoidance of doubt
2: here he is here's his football jersey so you know exactly which school he goes to Um, here's a lovely clear photo of his face and look we've just we've put it in this newspaper as well just in case you needed to rip out a little copy of it to keep like in your wallet or whatever
1: Mm. and we've actually just gone ahead and written a list of his fears on the back of it for you (laughs) <laughs> ten out of ten boyfriending from Jonathan here who amidst the chaos of all of his family apart from his dad being murdered then also witnessing three more murders, uh, still remembers to get Alison a birthday present. Did you not think the bit where he's doing the chin-ups
0: and he's kinda of counting smacks a little bit of like he's kinda of go we well, kinda of join him and he goes 20 uh, 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 yeah. and I'm like, uh, I don't think you did twenty chin-ups. It, it f- smacked a bit of that bit in man where he's doing the, the weights <laughs> in his office.
2: Because she's in the bathroom like brushing her hair or whatever and she can only hear, can't she? So yeah, I mean, 100%. That's That's what I'd be doing. I'd be like, oh! Because he is making also
1: a lot of noise
0: like... a, a power of grunting <laughs> <laughs> to be honest like i can't do one chin-up so if i was trying to do chin-ups i'd be making a power of noise as well i'd be uh, uh, <laughs> it would be a thoroughly unpleasant oral experience much like the listeners have just uh, endured from me doing that there thanks so much <laughs> but uh, you get a lot of things that are going to play a big part in this film kind of making an appearance here like uh Chekhov's vibrating recliner um, yep. That fucking gold heart necklace. You're
2: not a fan of of his beautiful gift to his beloved Alison? That
0: was good. Yeah, like the I mean, that I'm thing. not, I'm not not a fan of it. It's, it's just it plays such an enormous part in this film. Like <laughs> similar to that weird eyeglass thing that Ash gives to Linda in, in Evil Dead.
2: Yeah, that's a, that is a good shout. Actually, it is a bit like that. I mean, there are a lot of set pieces very um centered around this necklace. I like these guys as a couple, though. Same. I've always yeah. kind of, like, I believe it, you know? I think that, like, Jonathan is, like, appropriately in love with her and then subsequently
1: distraught yes.
2: when things don't go according to plan.
1: Yeah, I buy that pretty much from the ground up in this episode. Mm. That's fair. Speaking of things that it might be weird to feature on news bulletins, um, uh, they talk about, you see more user they're talking about things and then it's like, in spite of his recent trauma... Jonathan Parker has decided to play in the big game.
0: <laughs> and the same report as them mentioning the fact that Horace Pinker was into black magic and animal sacrifice.
2: It was really, really important that they that they slipped that important detail in. Um, I like that they refer to his TV repair shop slash serial killer home as a hellhole. Yes,
1: um, that's great. I think.
2: I think that's a nice detail as well on top of the black magic and sacrificed animals.
1: You're, you're right though, yeah, like because the, the long and short of it is basically, it's like, despite being chased by a black magic practicing animal sacrificing TV repairman, clairvoyant <laughs> dream murder predictor quarterback Jonathan is playing in a big game.
2: Also, it's his girlfriend's birthday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> happy birthday, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is not a happy birthday.
0: Oh, oh fuck no. Oh. no! No,
1: no. I uh, actually, I really, I really like this death. Um, because uh, I think that you can, you kind of know it's coming, but it's still kind of like, oh fucking hell, when it happens. And then sure. the actual, and I mean, skip ahead a little bit, but when when they actually get back to the crime scene. Oh. Uh, it's so good, it's so harrowing
0: And you have to admire Horace's showmanship
2: Just so much blood <laughs> like One of the things that I really, really credit This film for Is how much blood There is Like the blood pooling from under the secret Door at the TV Repair shop, when you then see The cop's body He is just like head to toe Covered in blood And then yeah, the like aftermath Of Allison's demise like there are handprints everywhere there is a bloody message scrawled on the mirror and then she is just face down just in a bath full of blood
1: yep yep it's pretty spectacular um jonathan gets wind of this while he's at football practice and i wrote down that a lot of the early running of this film is people getting bad news on football fields <laughs> Um, but then
0: a lot of stuff happens on football fields because right after this, uh, Jonathan and Rhino come up with their plan to kind of catch Horace Pinker, and weirdly they set off in the car on their kind of plan from the football field, like the car's parked on the pitch.
2: Or like on the is is it on the like running track around it? It's yeah, I'm mental.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean like I like I'm not I'm not sure exactly which part of the athletics field that's on, but whatever it is, it's fucking crackers. A like choice.
2: you know how you know how when you're at school in the UK mm-hmm. and you're not allowed to wear your school shoes into the gym or wherever you sure. do PE because it'll mark and you have to only wear your soles or your trainers. Yep. I feel like they should maybe have a similar rule. The car tires on like the playing field slash running tracks in American schools.
0: You want the pitch to be looking its best, really. There's a bit that has made me laugh in this film every single time I've watched it since uh, uh, since about 1992, and it's (laughs) the bit where and I know it kind of leads into Dream Logic and it kind of solves itself, but in the in the kind of immediacy of it, it's very funny when uh, Jonathan's explaining to Rhino that. He's gonna have to like wake him up and stuff and he's like, Are we ready? Are we ready to go? And he goes, Fasten your seatbelt. And then the very next scene is the car driving so slow. It just (laughs) like It's just it's made me laugh. it's just one of those things that tickles me every time I watch it and I always forget. Ultimately, they do zoom off later once he kind of pulls him out the dream, and another very clear and transparent nod to a Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: Yeah, but yeah, Andy, you did mention it there, and there is a, there is another kind of dream premonition instance here where Jonathan has this encounter in in Dreamland with uh, with Horace Pinker, um, and then immediately goes to the police, being like, "I know exactly where he is, uh, or I can take you to him." And the police are obviously like, "Well, this worked out great before. Let's definitely do it again." <laughs> yeah. Um, no
2: one died last time.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we, we only lost 75% of the attending officers last time. Um, but they are very, uh, very much like better prepared this time because uh, when they all go there, like three police cars that are all kind of like clown cars stuffed with policemen all pull up at the same time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and uh, yeah, and then a protracted uh, sequence of them trying to apprehend Pinker ensues.
0: The man um, has a limp, he can barely walk and he escapes them with alarming ease. Like, these are keystone cops.
1: A little bit, yeah. But they do get him eventually, right before he kills Jonathan after a short fight on a rooftop. Now... Just, did you notice the sound design of that fight? Like, it's
0: so ramped up to, like, ten. Every punch sounds like an actual explosion. I'm
2: just looking at my notes and they just say dropkick, body slam!
1: aerial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of like there's a lot of mixed combat in that fight, <laughs> but yeah, ultimately he's apprehended and sentenced to death by electric chair. Jonathan obviously is like, um, uh, I want to watch him die, and his dad's like, you definitely haven't seen enough people die yet. You can definitely do that. So get some a director's box seat for um <laughs> th- th- for the big event. Um, now we did mention it earlier that um, Megadeth's version of No More Mister Nice Guy is playing in this sequence. It took me a minute to realize that that was on the soundtrack and not diegetic. And I just thought that they were blasting it into that room to get the crowd. <laughs> I think like, that it was is his last diegetic. request. I, I'm willing to just accept that it's diegetic because I like that more. I'll tell you why I think it's diegetic. Later
0: on in the film, when Pinker has inhabited the coach, coach mm-hmm. attacks him and shouts, "No more, Mister Nice Guy!" So mm. it's like to me that makes it feel like it's much more part of the world than just sounds <laughs> like.
1: It's just, it's, it's the current number one song. It was like yeah. having its Gangnam Style <laughs> moment at the time and everyone's quoting it. <laughs> it
0: would have been really funny if he'd shouted Gangnam Style while at he was attacking, like flying to attack him.
2: Or like Shaggy when everybody was like, <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah um, it feels diegetic to me it feels like this is a dying man's last wish
2: i love that i didn't realize that it was megadeth i i don't know i didn't hear enough of it to realize that it wasn't the the original but uh, um what? i'm i i like that he's gone for something that's so on the nose for yeah. his
1: yeah. <laughs> like- song I, it's also it's also great that he picked a slightly less popular cover version rather than the main one it's like the idea of being like um can we have um uh, can we have hallelujah it's like by leonard cohen's like no the alexander burke version please <laughs> I absolutely but, uh, fucking love the revelation that has dropped here. I think that it's absolute genius, and I didn't see it coming at all. You didn't um, see it coming earlier? Of and... course I didn't see it coming, Andy. I never see anything coming. Um, but the entire way that it happens, like right before it's about to fry, is like, you there, I'm your dad." I was like, whoa!
0: <laughs> A direct quote there from Horace Pinker. Like, this must be the most expedited execution in history.
2: I'm just, I don't, I just don't want to missed the bit where he's in his cell and he's plugged himself into the tv with the jump leads that's how he gets that's the black magic bit
1: yeah sorry that's that is, that is absolute that is absolutely vital to the story I was, about to, <laughs> I was about i was about to blow past that without mentioning it at all so you have to believe <laughs> it was... it's not
0: easy to get your hands on jump leads and candles on death row
2: amazing stuff i mean fine he's they say exposition amazingness here from the um <laughs> the guards bringing the priest down to his cell um they say his last wish was a tv set so it's like okay fine i mean that makes sense but yeah where did the chalk for the mystic runes come from where did the black candles come from where did the jump keys come from?
1: i'm gonna posit that they just thought it was like a really weird request for his last meal <laughs> Like you know, you, you know what's Just delicious. Sit down a
0: delicious meal of jump leads, spaghetti, <laughs> <Yeah>. and candles.
1: <laughs> like you know what, like what it's like. Okay, can I have jump leads, candles, and religious iconography, please? Like certainly.
0: <laughs> See the big mouth that appears and says, "You got it, baby." Ah? Is that the devil?
2: I think we're supposed to assume so.
0: Right. <laughs> okay.
2: It's weird that he appears to be like talking jive, but I mean. <laughs> Who, who, what do I know? I'm, I'm not a theologian.
1: Thanks for clearing that up.
2: That's all right. No problem. (laughs) I feel Um, like, I feel like my main role on this podcast is pointing out what people's professions aren't. um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I should have included that in your intro, like a a non-exhaustive list of things that you don't do. Um, I think it's really, like, obviously I understand the necessity of it, but I think it's really funny that they electrocute himself, uh, that he electrocutes himself, and then they revive him, and it's like, time to electrocute you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This poor guy who goes to give him mouth-to-mouth as well, like Mm. that amazing effect where it just keeps pulling away from his face like bubblegum, like, oh, it's grim, I love it.
1: That is great, it's like a cartoon. It's like six inches that that's Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) This, I would say, not that it hasn't been action-packed so far, I would say that there's a real gear shift at this point. They try to um, electrocute him. He survives the first time. He does eventually die. Sure. But the kind of MO of what he's going to be doing for the rest of the film comes out here. And one thing that I like about this, because obviously what we come to learn here is that he is now going to like carry on murdering by uh, <laughs> one of the less successful carry-on films, um, <laughs> by like, hopping from body to body.
0: Yeah, I actually texted you during the watching of this and said, "A Nightmare on Elm Street meets Jason
1: goes to Hell." And I, I don't, I think that that's that's pretty accurate. But I think that the way that we see this with um, the doctor and she's like sleeping in the back of the police car, the way that we get a first look at how this is going to play out, I think is really cool.
2: This is why he needs the limp, you see, because this is how you identify who Horace is in now. Hmm.
1: Uh And one thing I like about this, um, and I like this every time it happens in films, I like it because it always asks something more of the actor playing the character that is possessed by him. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's always interesting to see how that comes over. I think here when uh, the doctor, she like wakes up and starts, I forget exactly what she says, but she snaps one of them's neck and makes the other one kind of like manipulates the car and drives it into a tanker. And there's an enormous explosion. Sure. So good. But yeah, I think I think this one, not bad. <laughs>
2: good. <laughs> I, mean, wh- I mean, you say she snaps the guy's neck, like she slash he, like literally turns his head like 180, like yeah. all the way back around, which I thought was quite something
1: it really is also for, like from that angle very difficult to get purchase on a human head to <laughs> that extent <laughs> from there I, 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 I would imagine um
2: imagine yeah. yeah
1: yeah but yeah no i i i am um, I, th- I think it's great and it's like i say I th- what i like about it is that it's a fun sequence it's got a good kill in it there's a hilariously sized explosion but also when that's over you're just like right i am 100 percent orientated and what the stakes are here i know exactly what i can do let's go
0: yeah. yeah and then we fly right back to jonathan and the revelations just keep coming for example he's haunted by the ghost of his ex-girlfriend he has a water bed
1: <laughs> that's elm street E as well isn't it uh, uh,
0: yeah it is actually yeah mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the, the first encounter that he has with Alison in the kind of dreams uh, and, yeah, the waterbed kind of thing, that, that all feels really uh, really Elm Streety. No big surprise what happens next. We find out that the cop that survived the crash has disappeared from the hospital. Jonathan doesn't have too long to process this considering he immediately turns up outside his house and starts liberally uh, firing shots through the door.
2: This is one of my favourite images from the VHS cover. Um, oh, yeah? On the back one of the little thumbnails, uh, like stills from the film, is that amazing like fisheye shot of Pastore's face, like Pastore, right up against the like spy hole yeah. in the front door. So I always love it when it gets to this bit, because I'm always like, yay, Pastore at the door. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> what we understand from exposition news when his murders are being described in the first half of this film sure. is that it's always like he turn, he turns up, kills an entire family, but escapes detection. Mm-hmm. He's always gone. Kind of until the kind of premonitions start happening, they've got really no idea who's doing it. His kind of like his showmanship hasn't deserted him, but his discretion has. <laughs> given that this attempted murder culminates in a foot chase through a public park in yeah. broad daylight
0: <laughs> and numerous body hopping incidents. Yeah, this is great. This I love
1: is, this so much.
2: It's one
0: this is my favorite bit about. in the whole film. Actually, yeah. Yeah. This, this scene in the park where they, especially when he hops into that little girl, uh,
2: <laughs> who does some of the best foot drag
0: yeah, acting she's the out be- of all of them she's the best yeah, she- impact on the film
1: that's a weird compliment but you're right
2: <laughs> <laughs> it just looks especially effective with like her little pink trainers and she's like swearing at the jcb i love
1: it i'm it's, a
0: big fan of children swearing in films yeah i, I think it, it always tickles me it's the same as i like seeing a video of a child swear like in the real world of a child saying fuck like, it makes me laugh. <laughs> and I wait every day for my own son to say fuck. And when he does, I'll be so happy. She's brilliant. And this whole scene is very funny. It's weird. It's And it kind of sets up how silly the rest of the film is going to be because the, the start is very much a kind of hunt and chase serial killer film. But from this point on, it become, the, the rules are kind of out the window and it just becomes supernatural nonsense. And the film's all the better for that so
1: true. Yeah, I suppose that is true. I don't want to blow past the little girl's kind of contribution to this and just want to say that, like, to my immense shame, the fake-out jump scare when we first meet her got me. Oh, right. And I felt very silly about that. Let's see now. So Pastore, obviously the body that he is inhabiting, I was going to say wearing, um, when he comes (laughs) to the park. That's fine. And then the wee girl, and then the wee girl's mum. There's uh, a jogger in between. Oh, there's Hmm. a jogger in between, that's right. Where's Craven's son? Oh, nice. Go. Good um, and then also that construction worker with the pickaxe. Yes, yes.
0: Alex, A- Alice Cooper's guitar player.
1: Yeah, th- this is definitely the most gratuitous body hopping that happens in the films. Because I think I the film because I think that there's either f- there's kind of four or five transfers, possibly in as many minutes.
0: Yeah. Mm. And crucial plot point here, when Jonathan's kind of facing off against that construction worker guy. He gets the the heart necklace hung up on a pickaxe, and that gets launched into a lake.
1: Yeah, that's right. That is important.
0: In this melee as well, Jonathan is shot, and rather than seek medical attention at a hospital, for example, <laughs> as we've already talked about, he goes to school.
2: He's like Ted Raimi can sort this out for me. Have you seen the size of his glasses?
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He'll know. That's what he's the doing.
2: man with medical training. <laughs>
1: that's a sharp one you're now speculating on what jobs people do have (laughs) I just don't know how to take you Becky
2: (laughs) keeping it unpredictable inconsistent
0: There's another dream
1: sequence around this time. That's going to get tired of you saying
0: that every time there's a dream sequence, Mitch.
1: If I I don't distinguish them, uh, then people who are listening that haven't seen the film are going to be very confused. Even more confused than I am. Like, whenever I say there's a dream sequence here, I'm saying it with a maximum of 70% certainty. (laughs) Um, But there is one here, um, and the message written in blood is incredibly well written.
2: You can tell it's by a girl because it's in cursive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) just because uh, just it's in blood doesn't mean it can't look nice
0: yeah not just the furious <laughs> scrawlings of a, of a psychopath of a madman.
2: Like, man but <laughs> like, like, she yeah. couldn't have found a pen and paper though like as if this poor boy hasn't been through enough trouble she's like mm, what have I got to write him a note oh I know I'll just like stick my fingers in this open wound of mine
1: <laughs> uh, he gets all of his information in this film from the news and messages written in blood on mirrors <laughs> coach is possessed by pinker at this point and i think that this might be with the exception of the wee girl in the park this might be my favorite incidence of someone having to play him right it's yeah. creepy mm-hmm. it's yeah, really it's good. good i think it's, it's ge- genuinely really unnerving it's really, mm. really great
0: it reminds um, me actually going back to jason goes to hell like- of the uh, coroner from the start kind of 20 minutes of jason goes to hell
1: oh yeah it's mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. got a similar energy
1: Allison tries to give him some advice about willing Pinker out of his body. And he tries to do that, but he ends up getting stabbed in the hand and then the chest by his own hand kind of thing. Um, Mm. I really like this whole sequence. I um, I think it's great. I think that the part where Pinker's kind of outside of the body and crawling around a little bit is the only part in an hour and 50 minute film where I felt like it was kind of a little bit baggy.
0: This is where I started to question the physics of the film. (laughs) Go on. Just when Horace Pinker is crawling around trying to electrocute himself back to power and enter and plug sockets uh, th- this was the point i started to think mm, i'm not sure this all hangs together <laughs> scientifically well i'm not a scientist either by the way <laughs> <you say>
1: that?
0: <laughs> i've got a podcast i make films hey, stop, and during the day i'm stealing my
2: thunder <laughs>
1: I could feel you both like co- <laughs> you were like coiled springs. Like <laughs> it's Becky's job to pick jobs for people to not do. Stay in your fucking lane.
2: <laughs> Are you guys X Files fans?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, I, Andy um, is. Yeah, I, I, I have not seen very much of it, but I, Andy is.
2: So Mitch Pileggi obviously plays Walter Skinner in the show. Um, much slimmer in those days. He's quite he's he's quite beefy as Pinker. Mm. Um, but I just thought there was a weird, like right down to the music, there's a really weird like crossover moment with him um like elongating his fingers and then his fingernails to put them into the um plug socket to like reduce himself. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was very kind of like tuneed oh, the yeah. way that his fingers sort of elongate. And I just thought, oh, that's weird because, like, Skinner and Pelleggi and all of that kind of thing. But then as I was watching it and thinking about it, it's even got a bit of like spooky, tinkly X-Files music. I'm sure they like use the same sound file like years later when they're making the X-Files, basically.
0: Mm. I think okay. I know the the sound that you mean. It's... It goes like yeah.
2: it, No, I can't do it. Like <laughs> like,
0: like like tinkly. No, 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 that was perfect. I know exactly. <laughs> <what
2: doo-doo-doo-doo>. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm no musician.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you know who I think's the unsung hero of this film and it deserves more credit? Rhino. Oh.
1: Ah, Rhino, yeah. Absolutely ride or die for Jonathan, Rhino.
0: Yeah, he takes whatever Jonathan tells him with unwavering belief and is willing to carry out, I think it was probably a federal crime and later <laughs> on demolishing an electrical power grid.
1: Yeah. I know that it seems kind of fanciful, that he's like, I am capable of... So, like I see murders, I can see the future in my dreams. I need you to go and do this with, like, three other people. If I turn out to be wrong, then you'll get into a lot of trouble because it is, like, a very, very serious act of vandalism. And he's like, I believe everything you're saying about being a dream murder clairvoyant 100%, and I will definitely do this for you. And, like, and that seems silly, but also so many films where like somebody is trying to say something that doesn't sound credible. The other side of that coin happens and people just don't believe them until it's far, far too late. Yeah. And I actually think that it's kind of refreshing that it goes the other way. It's the same thing as I always think that about It Follows as well. When she comes back, she, they're, they're like, you are obviously very distressed, what's wrong? And it's like, sexually transmitted curse. And they're like, okay, let's figure out the logic of this and try and do something about it. It's like, <laughs> cool, okay, good. And I mean, like, I'm kind of like, I think there's a trade off because like that obviously feels like a kind of leap but also it means that you have to spend much less time fucking about with people being incredulous about something that becomes increasingly obvious over time. People just getting on the train at word go saves you a lot of time.
0: Maybe there's a lot to be said about this film for that, because the dad does that with kind of alarming ease. After his very, very brief bafflement in that restaurant or bar, whatever it is, right at the start...
2: you on drugs?
0: he's like like i said he's like fuck it yeah why not it's better than what we've got
2: yeah i'm into it i i like uh as you say it saves time and let's face it this film is like an hour and 50 minutes long so <laughs> the less incredulity that we get the better that's not a criticism i love it i could have easily no, done another half hour but still it's long for a horror film 100
1: percent. yep you're absolutely um, right time is kind of of the essence so it does work
2: it it is. Also, just um, before we move away from Rhino, mm-hmm. um, for about twenty five years I thought his name was Randall and um, it wasn't until <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until I was looking up, you know, sort of casts and, and facts and stuff about the film that I realised that his name was Rhino. So thanks you, you know there's a little little factoid for me i mean randall and rhino don't even sound that similar but i've been convinced that was his name for all these years
1: to be to be fair it's it it sounds like all of your early viewings of this were done on a vhs that presumably got progressively more and more worn out as you went through so i mean that
2: is a hundred percent accurate yes good point
1: Uh, yeah give yourself a break on that one i would say (laughs) another weird fact
0: kind of in like preparing for this that Got me thinking about a weird thing that happened round about this time in horror movies. Like, I saw that Mitch Pileggi as Horace Pinker appeared on MTV's Headbangers Ball on their 1989 Halloween episode, like in character. And then it got me thinking there was this weird time where people would appear as their horror character, like on chat shows and on television Mm. shows, just like as hosts. And it was just like, it's so weird to think of him doing that as Horace Pinker to promote this film or Kane Hodder going on Arsenio Hall dressed as Jason Voorhees and sitting there through a whole like 10 minute interview not speaking a word to promote Jason Takes Manhattan. It's just such a weird thing that they kind of did at that time that I could quite happily do with again.
2: Yeah, big time. And then, of course, like Craven um, kind of parodies that in New Nightmare, doesn't he? With um, Freddy Krueger going on the chat show with Nancy mm. or Heather.
0: I guess even uh, yeah, even before that in uh, Dream Warriors when there's the, oh God, the, yeah. the chat show with Jar Jar Gabor. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I could do with more of that. I could do with seeing more horror characters as themselves in the real world on my TV.
2: I'd watch a video essay about that if you've got a spare
0: couple of days to put one together <laughs> well he wants to get everything else that i need to do anyway, i'll see if i can i'll see if i can pull through horror pull together a horror characters and yeah. i know i know i would i would really love to see michael myers uh with with the new halloween film coming out michael myers maybe as a judge
1: on drag race yes Aww. that's
2: what i was gonna say drag <laughs> race and off. it's the obvious choice but for a reason
1: <laughs> i personally would want to see him on like dragon's den or shark tank
2: the <laughs> floor um, is lava
1: Yeah <laughs> Right, I'm going to need some help from here on out, guys uh, mm. The science of this gets extremely elastic uh, This hops between uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry I'm using that term very loosely This hops between dreams and reality At an alarming rate Not sure how much use
0: I'm going to be yeah.
1: Okay, let's just see what we can do So, at this point, Don, Parker Shows up, or so we think mm-hmm. And uh, Jonathan is arrested
0: that's right, yeah. Uh, for a multiple murder, which given the fact that there's two dead bodies in his house doesn't seem like a stretch.
2: Quite right. And also, because everybody thinks that Horace Pink is dead. So okay. due to the fact that <laughs> the very, very public display of murder and death throughout the park earlier, where uh, Jonathan was highly recognisable and identifiable, it does make a lot of sense that he is now in cuffs
0: yep it does right but then at the same time he gets arrested and then almost immediately Pinker can't help himself and he goes off on a mass (laughs) murder spree to the point where the very next day they're like oh well Horace Pinker's still out there killing people we might as well let Jonathan go so if the plan was to get Jonathan incarcerated and pin all this on him doesn't work at all because he's let he's let go the very next day
2: personally i think that's far too nefarious for pinker i think he's too much of a just kill crazy rampage guy it mm. might have been a happy coincidence that jonathan ended up in jail but the trouble is, is if he's in jail how's pinker gonna kill him so you know i can't just, see that being like a part of the master. Travels uh, through,
0: yeah, travels through
1: plugs like that gremlin
0: like, no, yeah, good point. like He can he could get them if he wanted them.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with it that, that he uses it to drive him out. But I do like the idea of him being like, now he's in jail. Now it's just a matter of not killing people and then sitting in his living room for like 15 minutes and being like, this is boring.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I just did a couple, they wouldn't yeah.
1: know. Stab. <laughs> just stab, stab. Okay. So yes, we uh, so Jonathan is released, exonerated from all charges because he can't kill people from inside a prison cell. Fair enough. Um, he assembles his squad for the final standoff. Rhino's kind of devotion is uh, kind of mirrored in all of the rest of the football team as well. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. the, they're a team Mitch.
2: They're very gung-ho. I've just written, football team, go!
1: <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, it's like, I, I like the fact that kind of like, yeah, that go sports mentality goes carries on. <laughs> here. Okay. I think it's funny that like, Alison, who up till now has like, when she's met him in dream has appeared, like, don't get me wrong, like, she she still looks kind of bloodied and stuff, but she is talking kind of like in fairly rational ways and she's kind of like giving him information and stuff. But the first of the two times that they run into each other here, she like creeps up behind him <laughs> in like when he's like swimming in a river. And then she like zooms up behind him again. And it was just like, under the circumstances, do not sneak up on him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she becomes a total spooky bitch here. And she just like... She just, like, starts totally ghosting on him, like, she doesn't even creep up on him, she, like, glides medicinely through the water like a shark.
2: Look, you don't get a lot of fun when you're a ghost, she's gotta get her yucks where she can, okay?
1: I don't
0: think <laughs> now's the time.
1: <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, uh-huh. read the room. So, right. After this, though, she kind of meets him in a more amorous form, I guess. So he gets, uh, he gets he gets like some some kind of uh, some kind of afterlife romance going for a second there before the team mobilises in the real world.
2: I just love that it's all very kind of against the clock, and he's got the newscaster guy back at his house, and he's like, just remember, you've got to be ready at midnight. And he says to all the football, like the yay football guys, just make sure that just before midnight you do the. Thing, that at the moment we're not telling the audience what it is but you know what it is just before midnight but he manages to find time for a quick like dream makeout session with his girlfriend dead girlfriend on the side of a ghost lake
1: hard to believe that he factored in time for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i'm convinced that he's like some kind of local celebrity because like all of the news stations indulge his whims all the time like see when he's like when he's like I was wrongfully arrested for murder. However, that guy that thinks dead's not dead and I'm going to kill him. And they're like, how? And He's like, I'm not going to tell you. And it's like, okay, cool. We'd better mobilize an entire camera crew and a presenter to his house right now.
2: <laughs> and then when the presenter's incredulous, he goes, Jonathan, like, like double bluffs him and he sort of says something like, oh, fine, well, I guess I'll just get one of the other networks down <laughs> here. And then, and then like, <laughs> leaves in a in a sort of if he had a cape he would have like swooshed his cape (laughs) around him and leaves
1: yeah Um, take my business elsewhere
2: yeah (laughs) in the half an hour i have between shagging my ghost girlfriend and like needing this live
1: also it doesn't it bears mentioning again for the benefit of anyone that is um listening to this hasn't seen it that the reason that the or one of the reasons why the focus has switched so dramatically towards a tv is because the struggle uh, and the kind of chase that happened when Pinker was inside his dad resulted in him attaching himself to a satellite dish and beaming himself out nationwide.
0: He's essentially weaponized himself into the kind of television signals, and he's there's new more there's more news reports where they're saying uh, people were being murdered in their houses and like there was no explanation for it. Like so, like the whole family killings thing is still going on, but it's like just random people. Presumably Pinker's like possessing people, and like. Getting them to just kill people in their families and in their houses, and then just die doing that dive thing that he does back into the TV.
1: <laughs> this is, I think, a good like line in the sand for where you know whether you're in or you're not. Yeah, with this film, when he like attaches himself to the satellite dish and he's like, "Ha ha, see ya!" and disappears, and he just gets <laughs> zapped out into like out into the ether. I was like, "Ha." Yeah, let's see what happens. Like, um, I can completely understand why that would be a sticking point for some people, but I think if you've got this far...
0: I'm glad you got on for the ride, Rich.
1: Yeah, at the, at, at the 1 hour and 32 minute mark in this um 110 minute film. <laughs> great moment when Pinker attacks Jonathan in the dreamscape while disguised as a sofa.
2: <laughs> I love this so
0: much <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny man it's
2: so funny when he's got like he's the arms he's the arms and he grabs him and you can just see that it's like a guy with chair arms on his arms yeah i love it and then the little eyes uh, when, the couch,
1: when the coach's eyes opens brrr, really <laughs>
0: When, so when, when,
1: the, when the seams, when the seams split and the two eyes pop out, that was that was the bit that really got me. Check offs uh, by Briton <laughs> Recliner, the very same.
0: <laughs> ah, it's so good, man! And then you go through various stages of like uh, moving from couch to just Pinker, and it's like, okay, so we'll show the mechanism at the bottom of the couch, and then we'll cut back in a second, and it'll be feet. We'll show the couch with the weird human arms. And then we'll cut back in a minute and it'll be Mitch Pileggi with couch arms on his own arms. <laughs> it's just it's so fucking mad.
1: Talking about favourite sequences in this, what happens next is one of mine where um, there is this like chase slash fight uh, with uh, Pinker and Jonathan <laughs> around all the TV stations. I
0: thought you were going to say when Pinker makes the Volkswagen joke. <laughs> <laughs> For Christ's sake.
2: For no reason there isn't even a car in sight it doesn't make any sense whatsoever apart from the fact that he gets to make a volts um. <sighs> pun
1: yeah even if there had been an actual volkswagen there that joke was like a five six out of ten <laughs> <laughs> however what happens here when they're ch- when they're chasing around um when he chases him through all the channels Brilliant. and it's like the news music videos what appears to be an Alice Cooper concert film. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Um, Boxing
2: match. Hindenburg.
1: (laughs) All that hurts. (laughs) Absolutely love it. Like, really, really love it.
2: And don't you think it genuinely, considering this is, what, 89? Yeah. Still. And I'm, like, I'm not watching it on very ropey, overused VHS now. I've got the Blu-ray, mate. Yeah. And I can tell you, it looks fantastic fit like i it genuinely genuinely stands up the way that they have it them very sort of very cleverly interspersed with the black and white footage and then it will be a different show from like a different time so it will be kind of color but it will be grainy and then it will be like they'll actually jump like into a set so they're kind of fighting on the news desk it genuinely like Looks really clever. I think it's, they've done it very, very well.
1: They look like they belong in every one of them, but I think yeah. that's really fun. See, the, the the one that we kind of end on, where it like it looks like a kind of like really kind of like a goofy Mrs. Brown's Boys style sitcom. Is that a real show or what? Because it's it, like that's like that's spent more time on, like, in, in a way that feels like it should be a real thing.
2: No, I think no. they just jump into somebody's living room. That's what I um, thought it, as
1: well. Yeah. Oh, like, like I, I, I assumed that it wasn't that. Oh no, I, like, because, <laughs> voice. because because one of them like mugs to the camera, being like, "I've heard of audience participation, but this is ridiculous."
0: To be honest with you, I would have, done, I would give anything for Horace Pinker to murder Mrs. Brown.
1: <laughs> it's the hero's ending we need. <laughs> the redemptive arc. Um, now, again, so th- there's another, th- another like the fight between uh, Pinker and Jonathan kind of culminates in this bedroom, at which point Jonathan gets a hold of a remote control mm-hmm. and pauses him.
0: This feels very much like the sillier moments from later Nightmare on Elm Street films.
2: I thought you were going to say the Adam Sandler movie, click. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Without shocker, there would be no
1: click. Thanks, shocker. <laughs> or funny games oh fuck god Jesus oh god Christ. yeah fuck I get that you can pause him I don't know how he manages to make him jump on the bed or like bash him into walls and stuff
0: it's funny though
1: yeah you're right never mind cheerfully withdrawn <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan rather than killing him here freeze frames him right as Rhino cuts the power now at this point I need what is happening in the real world versus whatever is happening here the timeline, and why this needs to happen in this order. Can someone explain it to me?
0: <clears throat>
1: Becky, I mean, it's...
0: it's, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it was your choice. You're the scholar.
2: Oh, God. Hey, I'm no scholar. All right, I will give it a go. So, I'm pretty sure that... Hmm, am I? I'm pretty sure that when he says I'm not going to kill you because the apple does fall far from the tree actually pops... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't say that that's me paraphrasing Um, so he he pauses him and then there's that whole weird thing with his watch where it's like uh oh your watch is three minutes slow like how does he know that we don't find out Um, so then there's a panic because basically whoever is still in this bedroom of the dream when the power gets cut will go with it Yeah. so then I get slightly confused because the power does get cut, but rather than them both disappearing, they both become like corporeal. And then I think that becomes the real world again. Then Pinker smashes his head into the TV. This looks great because he thinks he's going to like jump in like he usually <laughs> does. But Jonathan gets the remote. And so he just runs like head first into the TV, is which brilliant. is very dream warriors very scream yeah. um but i guess because he's by this point essentially like immune to electricity he's fine
1: yeah okay <laughs> yeah
2: then um. jonathan punches him in the heart or punches him with the heart necklace in his hands okay. and realizes that that's kind of like actually hurting him and then he hangs it around the camera thing and he jumps in that and then i think at that point he goes back into the dream
1: world tv world jesus christ okay and, i mean and then I he's just got horace pinker
0: chuntering at him through his tv for the rest of the time <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah and then and then the tv blows up and pink is basically trapped in there but you can still hear him like
0: he's like you, you? motherfucker get yeah. don't you turn your tv on you motherfucker
2: <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i don't know if any of that oh. is accurate or makes sense i'm not
1: sure if i'm any further on or not but i absolutely admire your determination to the like your commitment to the blow by blow of that that was excellent mm. like well done
0: i would have liked to have actually seen more of the i'm your dad stuff um i feel like it's mentioned quite like when pinker's executed and then it isn't mentioned again until here like it, it's quite a big plot point to not really dial in on
2: yeah that is true But it is already an hour and fifty minutes long, so
0: (laughs) already discarded that extra half an hour that you were begging for.
2: (laughs) Exactly, and I mean, did we say that Horace Pinker's got the limp because little Jonathan little kiddie Jonathan shot him in the knee? That's right, Um, because because Pinker kills Jonathan's mum and Jonathan shoots Pinker in the knee, and that's why he's got the limp. Um, So yeah, there's not a lot of chat about it, but you you do see a lot of physical evidence.
1: Very true. At this point, we're, we're like basically done. We get kind of a, a hero's a hero's ending moment for Jonathan, which is kind of bittersweet, I guess, when he goes out and talks to Allison
2: in the sky because she's an angel now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, It's like the
0: yeah. that's like the happy ending you have in your mind, Mitch, for Christmas Evil.
1: Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I, but yeah, he looks up and yeah, she's an angel now because every time you kill a TV repairman, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> 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 And we're done. Um, That's beautiful. Shocker is over. Um, Andy. Yeah. I feel like um, I don't need to ask you what you think of this. We could just copy and paste everything you said at the start. You love this film. Shocker's
0: fucking great, man. I think it's fair to say Wes Craven had some missteps in his career. But a lot of people would maybe consider Shocker one of them. I'm not one of those people. I think Shocker's fucking brilliant. I really like this weird phase that Craven was in at this point. Uh, and I'm probably in the minority a lot of the time in that, but yeah, shock is fucking great. I agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I gotta say, I mean, we we've been doing really well with our uh, guest film selections of late. Um, but Becky, this is one of my favourites that we've done in quite a while. Um,
2: Amazing.
1: Um, also, like for its length, and I mean, like it's not a strikingly long film, but an hour and fifty-one is quite long for a film like this. And I remember thinking it was like um when it kind of gear shifts into what's going to be the main thrust of the kind of second act action. That was the first time that I checked the runtime of this and I was like, how are we halfway through this thing? Mm -hmm." Mm. Like, um, because I don't really feel like, I don't really feel like there's much in here that you could chop out. I think it kind of needs to be as long as it is.
0: It's in no rush to get to Pinker's actual execution.
1: Which I think is cool. Yeah, you would think that a film like
0: this would start there.
2: I'm always surprised, actually, how long you wait for the execution. Like, you're right, like the, you know, sort of plot-wise, it it rattles through. But... I agree, like I always in my head think that that must be right at the beginning, that you see him executed and it kind of all goes from there. Um, but I kind of respect the fact that they give it a decent build-up.
0: Yeah, Same, It'd be like That would be like spending an extra half an hour leading up to Charles Lee Ray being shot at the start of child's play
2: yeah actually there's there are are child's play elements in this i thought when he's on the floor of his cell doing like the the black magic stuff i I thought that was a bit charles
0: lee
1: ray the other side of that coin is that i really don't want to watch another half hour of child's play (laughs) that grounds us in that but i was more than happy to watch the first 45 minutes of this that did (laughs) a lot of that work um yeah, uh this was great. This was this was this was I, I really, really like this. And it does seem like um it does seem like we are in the minority here. But um I'm very curious to know what um the listeners make of this one. I have a funny feeling that they might come down on a similar line uh to us with this. But yeah, Becky, got to hand it to you. Great call, great, great selection. Excellent.
0: And
2: I'm so pleased.
0: Just such a treat to uh, it's been a long time since I've watched it to be honest. Like, um and that's why when I when I saw it on your list I was like, please, please pick shot, please. <laughs> because it's happened before <laughs> like I get a potential guest given us a big list of films and there's one on there I'm desperate for and I'm like please and then it doesn't come off <laughs> and I'm like oh well that goes back in the bank until the next person puts it on a list um but yeah
2: I have to say like it's been it's been an absolute pleasure because I do genuinely feel kind of in the minority for being a big fan of this one like I said at the beginning like this was the first Wes Craven film I saw and I, it was then quite a while, Um, like I I saw this a lot of times before I then saw Scream, which was probably, I think my next Wes Craven film. Right. So I actually came to Wes Craven relatively late in my horror career, okay. Um, but Shocker has kind of always been there. And so it holds such a special place in my heart. And I genuinely think it's brilliant. Like I really, really do. Every time I rewatch it, it it's not just nostalgia that makes me enjoy it like I genuinely think it's brilliant
1: oh yeah there's Um, an there's an awful lot to like I think
2: there is there is and it's really nice to have found other people who agree with me because sometimes I feel like I'll be like yeah but shocker and everyone will kind of like politely nod at me and then like change the subject so it's been fun to actually chat about it
1: Becky before we wrap up lots of things going on with you right now Um, Mm. between podcasts and ghouls and everything else anything in particular you want to give a little bit of airspace to right now
2: oh thank you yeah I have started a patreon um, which is patreon.com forward slash bunny dark people can get kind of lots of updates and stuff from me over there Um, I'm doing sort of uh, because I'm doing so much stuff at the moment lots of writing and podcasting whether that's like my own podcasts or guesting on other people's when they're kind enough to invite me on um so i've kind of because i don't have a website or anything i've kind of now got like a central space on patreon for that and people yeah. can um support me there if they want to um my ladies night column over at ghouls magazine is monthly and so my current um article that is sort of doing the rounds is on the invitation nice. um, from 2015 and um, directed by karen kusama the whole point of the ladies night column is um focusing on um horror films that are directed by women yep so um that's going to be kind of a different film or films every month so yeah you can check that out and still working on my various sort of bits and pieces podcast wise so i mean just follow me on twitter i'm at bunny dark and everything's over there
0: i've got to say i love don't point that horror at me Uh, as as an avowed point horror fan uh it's uh, it's just Bang. like I don't even I don't even think I own a single point horror book anymore but I, I read them religiously as they continually churned out and it's just nostalgia heaped on nostalgia for me to listen to that
2: oh bless you I'm really pleased <laughs> it's funny actually when you guys were talking earlier about um the kind of like incredulous friends thing and how it was actually nice that in shocker rhino like believed him um, i couldn't help thinking of point horror because there's always that where they're like this thing happened and all of the high school friends are like don't be so ridiculous um mm. so yeah there's there's a lot of fun to be had with those silly little books
1: yeah they're, they're amazing becky this has been so much fun it's been so um, nice to talk to you about this film so thanks for taking the time to do this we really appreciate it
2: oh thank you honestly i've had such a blast it's been brilliant so yeah thanks for thanks for letting me chat for this long about this
0: bonkers film (laughs) i could chat for another half an hour
1: what a blast that was
0: i can't tell you how much of a treat that was to be honest like I, i had an absolute ball
1: Yeah, same. Huge thank you to Becky Dark for joining us this week to talk Shocker. Finally did it. I've got
0: to say as well, Mitch, like that's us now done, I think from this kind of period of Craven's work, we've now done Shocker and People Under the Stairs, and both of them have been pretty
1: big hits for you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm maybe, uh, think, kind of thinking that we're maybe landing on similar uh, viewpoints on uh, Craven. Yeah, I yeah, good, good. Um, but we're done for another one here, and uh, we're going to take a couple of days to ourselves, and we'll be back on Monday with another mini-sode for you. We will be doing all the usual stuff on there, of course. We will be talking about what we've been watching, which reminds me, I need to watch some things. Yeah. Uh, nature will be going wild. Have you watched a film for it yet? Uh, no, not yet. No, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, oh. I'll watch this minutes before I record the episode. like, I don't sure. want to plan it too far ahead. Maybe I should. Maybe if I planned it in advance, I'd find something better than the... the. the I, I don't think it's unfair to use the word dreck that I've been watching. Uh,
1: you have so, been unearthing some really garbage-sounding stuff, I must say. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of forward planning might do you some uh, decent favours there. I
0: think it might do. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll I'll seek out something good to watch that I haven't seen before this week. And, well, yeah, we can, we can go ahead and, and, and actually talk positively about something on nature nice. gone wild side quest
1: but yeah yeah I'll, that, that's what i'll do on top of that of course we'll be playing which is taking a look at your feedback letting you know everything you need to know for next week which is another great guest film combination i gotta say yeah i can't wait for next week it's yes
0: that's amazing
1: yep it's gonna be a blast yeah. however in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that through all the usual channels facebook and instagram or strong language violent scenes you can tweet us as well at strong violent pc you can email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com and you can join the conversation on our facebook group the chud locker
0: and our patreon page we have had some action the past few days we've started i'm not gonna say amassing new patrons but we've certainly had a few, and it's uh, it's really lovely to see. So, guys, thank you so much. And if anyone else out there is interested in getting on board this crazy train of ours, then it's uh, patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes.
1: It sure is. We're back on Monday with another mini Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chads. Goodbye. Bye, guys.